Hello and welcome to today's TRADOC Leader Professional Development Program webinar. I'm your moderator, Jim Heft of TRADOC's Communication Directorate. Today, we're talking about professionalism, specifically what it takes to succeed as a soldier in the U.S. Army. Now, I just want to mention that this, is, this LPD series is part of our diversity and inclusion uh, uh, deep dive, right? And so we're hearing from many different voices as we go through this webinar. So joining us today are four outstanding officer and non-commissioned officer leaders. Major General Promotable Maria Gervais is the director of the Synthetic Training Environment Cross-Functional Team in Orlando, Florida. It is assigned to U.S. Army Futures Command. She commissioned in 1987 from Lander University's ROTC program while dual enrolled at Presbyterian College's ROTC program and was assigned to the Chemical Corps. She has commanded at every level and most recently served as the Deputy Commanding General of the Combined Arms Center Training. Major General Gervais is confirmed to be the next Deputy Commanding General of TRADOC. Welcome General Gervais from Orlando. Hey, well, good morning, teammates, and it's great to be here. I mean, I'm really looking forward to being part of this very distinguished panel today and look forward to taking questions from the audience. Back over to you. Thank you, General. Our next panelist is Command Sergeant Major Hilda Garcia, the Command Sergeant Major for Phoenix Recruiting Battalion. She has more than 20 years of service, having enlisted in the Army from Brooklyn, New York. She completed basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, advanced individual training at Fort Lee, and has had multiple assignments in logistics, training, and recruiting. She also holds a bachelor's and master's degree in business management. It's great to see you from sunny and warm Phoenix, where I think it's going to be 80 today, Sergeant Major. Why? Good, why, good morning, buenos dias. Happy Women's Month, ladies. Um, thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to all your questions. Fantastic. Also joining us is Captain Emily Bessler, who commands Charlie Battery, 2nd Battalion, 377th Parachute Field Artillery Regiment in Anchorage, Alaska. Captain Bessler commissioned into the field artillery in May of 2014 from the College of William and Mary in Virginia with a major in foreign policy and a minor in music. She deployed in support of Operation Inherent Resolve in Mosul, Iraq in 2017. Welcome from not so warm, where I believe the high today will be 20, uh, Alaska, Captain Bessler. Good morning. Uh, yes, sir, it's, it's about negative two right now. It'll warm up though, I think we might hit 20. Uh, thanks so much for having me as a part of this panel today. Awesome. It's, it's great to have you here, too. And, and last but certainly not least, uh, the panelist here is Sergeant First Class Lee Ann Hester. Sergeant Hester enlisted in the Kentucky Army National Guard in 2000. Military police is her primary MOS, and she has significant deployment experience in both Iraq and Afghanistan. She obtained a Bachelor's of Science degree in Criminal Justice Administration from Bethel University and began working for the Franklin Police Department in Tennessee in 2006, where she is now a detective. Sergeant Hester is the first female soldier to be awarded the Silver Star since World War II, and the first ever to be cited for valor in close combat. Man, it's fantastic. Great, great to see you here, Sergeant Hester. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of this distinguished panel, and I look forward to uh, speaking about some things and answering any questions. So thank you for having me. Fantastic, and I'm not sure uh, if it was if it's intentional, but I think we lost your video. So uh, if you can turn that on, that would be terrific too. Um, 
Hosting today's session is TRADOC's Deputy Chief of Staff, Major General Dan Christian. General Christian, it's great to have you with us today. Jim, thanks. You know, I really look forward to the panel's uh, insights and observations today and the conversation we're going to have. So before we get started, um, our conversation is all about navigating an Army career. And I'm sure that you have questions for the panelists. You can leave those questions for them either on the Facebook live stream or the TRADOC website watch page. And while I'm there, I'd like to mention that a replay of this video will be available on all of our social channels. And I'm really excited to announce that on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we have started the TRADOC Talks podcast. Um, so you'll be able to listen to this uh, while you're working out or whatever, um, or, dr or driving in your car. So uh, we're, we're excited that if, in case you miss any of it, you'll be able to catch it later. So the team here in the studio and I will be on the lookout for your questions. In fact, I've got the, the live stream up right here. Uh, and we'll try to get to as many of those questions as we can throughout the course of the webinar. Should we not be able to, um, we're going to have some follow-up supplemental videos that will be posted on our website and social media channels, uh, again, that answer those questions that we're not able to get to today. However, what we really encourage you to do is bring up these questions in your squad or unit or with your families. You know, talk to each other, have a serious conversation, and help build your cohesive team. With that, I'd like to turn it over to General Christian. Thanks, Jim. So I'd like to start the first question with uh, Major General Gervais, but I certainly would open up to the panel. And General Gervais, why did you join the military and why do you continue to serve? Yeah, hey, so that's a great question. So first of all, uh, first class Hester, I can see you, your video, so I'm not sure if it's a, a problem somewhere else, but we see you fine and I think the other panelists do too. So all good on our end. Just letting you know, because I'm sure you're trying to figure it out on your end. Thanks, um, ma'am. No worries. Hey, so so why did I join? Um, a little bit of background. So I'm a military brat through and through. My father uh, was in the Air Force, and he uh, got out of the Air Force and went into the Army. I'm the seventh of nine kids, um, and I grew up, you know, on military bases throughout most of my career. The longest I've ever stayed in one place has been seven years. And that's where my dad retired in South Carolina. So I kind of call South Carolina home. But I was a college basketball player playing softball, um, and I was getting a biology degree. When I figured out that there was needed to be life after basketball, um, I started to take a look at where do I get a job? Well, what was great was in this small town, you know, it's who you knew and did you have experience? Well, I had neither of those because, you know, we kind of, transplanted ourselves in this small town. So I took a look at in actually enlisting into the Army because throughout our military career, my father loved the military, my mom loved the military just as much, and I figured, you know, the Army had provided a good life for my mom and the, and the nine kids. So I thought it was a great opportunity. It was my father who talked to me and said, hey, if you're gonna join the Army, you're gonna have a degree. Why don't you look at becoming an officer? So I said, okay, I'm gonna join. And I was looking for three things. Number one, it was to get some experience. Number two was to get some money in my pocket. And number three, it was, I thought I needed a little more discipline in my life. So that was my intention when I first joined. But when I came in and I got to see the people I served with, the mission that we did, and actually, you know, what we were all about as a profession, 
the reason I'm not, I didn't, uh, I stayed in after three years and I'm here 33 years later is because I absolutely love what we do and I'm passionate about, you know, serving soldiers and our nation. And so that's kind of it in a nutshell. It wasn't something I planned, but it was something that as I took that opportunity to uh, join the Army, it was just something that became a lifelong calling. So I'll turn it back over to you. Great, ma'am. Thank you for that response. I, I would open it up to the panel and uh, see if anyone else has some observations along those lines. Hey, team. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, I definitely, I am the oldest of five, so I definitely wanted to make a difference. Um, I wanted to be a little different than the environment that I was that I was growing up in. Um, I definitely wanted to travel, and it was very important for my family for me to have an education. And since then, I've been able to travel to many countries. Obviously, I have an education, and I wanted to make a difference and then let all the other little girls know that they too can uh, follow my footprints, even though that it's not the norm in where they come from. So definitely. So, Sergeant Major, why do you continue to serve? I continue to serve, sir, because, you know, as we talk about mentorship and navigating your military career, I didn't see individuals that looked anything like me. Um, all of my mentors are males. And even now, you know, I found a couple of mentors that are female, but I wanted to be a difference to other leaders and other, you know, sergeants and staff sergeants and E7s and let them know, you know what, there's individuals at the table that resemble you, you know, and when you look, you want to look and say, hey, I, I see her, I can be like her. Um, you wanna make a difference, you have a passion for a job, you love your country. And I wanted them to know that it's okay to love their country. Even though we grow up and we have what we call values from home that are love and loyalty and um, integrity that we, you know, that we build with our family, then we learn army values. You know, and that they can collide, and and it becomes a great, um, it becomes a great pattern for success. And I wanted other little girls to see, you know what, you're different. You can make it happen, and there's other individuals that you can see yourself in. So I continue to strive for that. Awesome, thank you, Sergeant Major. And I know uh, Captain Bessler, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I just think it's really interesting. I relate heavily to both what General Gervais and Sergeant Major had to say, because I also was an Army grad, also didn't live anywhere for longer than like two or three years. Uh, and I went to ROTC in college my sophomore year on a whim and was so unsure about whether or not I was going to like it that I didn't even tell my parents, because I was like, I just want dad to get excited about this. Uh, and then I completely fell in love all over again with the, the trust and the, and the care that you develop for the people that you work with and for every day. And I continue to serve uh, a lot, uh, significantly for the same reasons that Sergeant Major talked about. One of the reasons I joined the Army and more specifically the artillery is I knew there needed to be women or other people that looked like me that wanted to be there um, to set that example. Because I'm in, in the 13 series community just have not had a mentor that looks like me by nature of the circumstance. Um, and I am glad to be a part of uh, a cohort of people that is setting that example, I hope, for for following generations. Um, but every day I get out of bed in the morning and love uh, art, the artillery and I love the paratroopers that I work for. 
and they motivate me every day to continue to serve and and work for them. So. Awesome. Well, then let's uh, turn it over next to um, Sergeant First Class Hester. Why did you join the Army and why do you continue to serve? Yeah, I joined the Army for several different reasons. Um, I knew when I was younger that I wanted to be a police officer and also had an interest in the military. Both my uncle and my grandfather served in the military. Um, when I graduated high school at 19 years old, or shortly after high school, at 19 year old, years old, um, I couldn't become a police officer yet on the civilian side, so I did the next best thing, and I joined the, the Army National Guard as a military police. And so entering the military police corps, super proud of the MP Corps, um, they taught me at the schoolhouse at Fort Littlewood um, how to be a, a police officer, and that catapulted my career in the civilian side. So after my first deployment to Iraq, um, I became that civilian police officer. Um, I continue to serve because I serve my soldiers. Um, I think it's super important as a female NCO to be a role model. And at 23 years old, I was put in the spotlight for some actions that I did in, in Iraq. And I, by choice or no choice, was put in that spotlight. And so I continue to serve because I love mentoring young soldiers. I stay in because of my soldiers. I'm still in a line unit, so I still get to work hand in hand day to day with uh, jun both junior enlisted and peers and subordinates alike, as well as young non-commissioned officers. And I feel like I can make a difference in, in mold those soldiers and junior um, uh, non-commissioned officers and, and commissioners um, in becoming a good leader. Great, great response, really appreciate that. You know, we call this panel Navigating an Army Career. Uh, and, and so all of you are in different stages of your careers uh, and have, have a variety of experiences. Um, but it wouldn't be the Army if we didn't have lessons learned, right? So my question, I'll start with uh, Captain Bessler. Um, what have you found as some successes, uh, successful lessons learned during your career um, and you know, maybe some critical significant ones that you'd like to share uh, with, this, with the audience here in the webinar? Absolutely. Uh, I think my, my top two things are you have to build trust with your teammates. You have to have a team that trusts each other in all circumstances and that starts with day one and being honest about what you can and cannot accomplish. And that trust capital will carry you through the toughest training exercise, the hardest deployment, and your best day on the job. Um, and that has served me really well throughout uh, the last seven years. Um, and I'll continue to kind of ensure that I pursue that. And that would be my like largest and most significant takeaway. Uh, my second uh, for all, especially the junior uh, commissioned officers out there, trust your NCOs, they know everything. <laughs> They're freaking brilliant. I've been very, very blessed uh, to have exceptional NCO, um, NCO leaders and mentors um, throughout my tenure thus far, uh, and and their experience is absolutely invaluable. And building that trust between the NCO and the officer corps, and and being the best leaders that you can by leaning on each other, is absolutely everything. Um, and and it'll carry you through, just like I said. So, I think those would be my my biggest professional like 
nuggets, as it were. Well, I think since uh, since you mentioned trust your NCOs, let's let's turn it over to an NCO. Uh, and I know that you had mentioned a little bit, uh, Sergeant Hester, that you really appreciate having that role yourself. Um, so uh, talk about your lessons learned and maybe expand on what Captain Bessler mentioned. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, one thing I've learned is in, in, in my career is, you know, use your peers um, to help each other out. And I know what I do day to day, uh, I know I always bounce ideas off, off of my fellow platoon sergeants and, and peers, and we work together as a team. So always use your peers and, and mentorship. Having a good mentor is also super important. Um, having somebody that you can go to with questions or maybe, you know, ask for lesson learned or, you know, how they would go about a, a situation. Um, another lesson learned for me is always seize an opportunity. If an opportunity presents itself, whether it be a school training, deployment even, uh, or otherwise, um, seize it and take advantage of it. You never know when that opportunity may present itself again. Well, fa fantastic. I mean, we have fun fundamentals. We have 40 of them, which, which are lessons learned. Um, you know, how about yourself, sir? What, what, what do you take away from your Army career? Any lessons learned or, or thoughts? On this? Yeah, so there's a few, right? So uh, one is, I think you really need to trust your NCO core and develop the relationships with them. We're going to have different experiences as we go through our career uh, from lieutenant to general officer. But through that time, you're going to have to develop the relationships with those people, trust those NCOs uh, so that you have an appreciation for what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. Uh, this is a people's business, as you've heard General Funk say many a time. So your reputation and your relationships really do matter at the end of the day. Absolutely. And uh, General Gervais, um, what, what, do you, what do you think on terms of, you know, your, you look back over your course of your career, lots and lessons learned probably to, to turn to, but what stands up uh, out, out for you? Yeah, so um, I, I would say, and we all get caught up in this, you know, when I came in and we all get focused on mission, the mission has to be done. Yes, it does. And, you know, the op tempo is is very high. Mission success, you hear it all the time, our culture, because we understand the really the criticality of what we do and having to be ready um, at a moment's notice and also be able to have to make decisions, you know, that somebody may have to pay the ultimate sacrifice based on the decisions that we have to make. And so sometimes it's too easy within our culture to get caught up in mission first. And for about 10 years in my military career, it was always, always about the mission. But I soon realized it's people. It's about the people. If you really focus on taking care of your people and making sure that they're taken care of, the mission will take care of itself. We have to get the mission done. That's, I mean, that's non-negotiable. But sometimes we kind of forget that it is about our, our people. And it's too easy in our culture to, to really um, to lose sight on that. And so about the 10-year mark, and as I was um, going into one of my commands, you know, I really had to realize that, yes, you focus on the mission, but you've got to balance that, and you've got to make sure that you're taking care of your people. And if you do that, everything else will take care of itself. And that was one of the biggest lessons um, in my career early, I would say early on. It's all relative now, based on where I sit right now, in terms of the years in the service. but. You know, sometimes that's a hard lesson for us to learn because we all realize how much we focus on and the op tempo. 
and the op tempo and it really drives us towards um you know where it's too easy um to forget about what we need to focus on and so you always got to come back and refocus your efforts and make sure that you you know you're taking care of your people you know, Sergeant Major, I'm sure you echo that uh, as well. Um, so, so your thoughts on terms of lessons learned? Well, definitely lessons learned. Is, uh, I believe in trust your training for success. I mean, obviously, you have a mission, um, but you have to take care of your people. Um, and, we, you know, you have to take care of mental health and physical health. You know, and I always tell my soldiers, you know what? I count on you to um, make this mission, but I want to make sure that mentally and physically you're capable of doing this. Um, and if stuff, stuff is going on at home, you're not going to be mentally there. And if you have ailments that you're not taking care of, you're not going to be physically there. So I definitely focus on take care, taking care of my NCOs. And I talk to them also about continuous growth, um, whether it's personal growth, professional growth, spiritual growth. I let them know I want to encompass you as a whole uh, as an NCO, because, yeah, you're an NCO, but you also are also an individual. And we, we work with community a lot. Um, you are working with civilians and community. So it kind of goes and flow um, in the recruiting realm. And then the one thing that I, um, some folks and some NCOs talk about is overcoming shortcomings. Know what your shortcomings are and how you're grooming yourself to grow with it so that you can overcome certain obstacles so that we can be a better part of our team, of our mission, of our community. So as a whole, everything comes together. So I definitely focus on those. You know, Sergeant Major, I really appreciate what you just said there, uh, particularly regarding, uh, you know, the soldier as a whole human being. Um, and that's something that we've been talking about quite a bit lately, and that's holistic health and fitness, uh, the new H2F program for, for the Army. Um, not specifically talking about H2F or about the Army combat fitness test, but Sergeant Major, how important is fitness to uh, doing well in an Army career? Well, fitness is very important. You know, we are soldiers and we are here to accomplish a mission. Um, physical health is extremely important. Um, and you notice that physical health works with mental health. It relieves stress. Soldiers have a lot of stress in life when it comes to accomplishing a mission and taking care of families. You know, normally, um, when you look at civilian sector, everyone just worries about one area. But as a soldier, you have to be able to encompass both in order to be successful. Um, especially with the new ACFT coming along, we definitely talk about um, what makes us feel better, um, being individuals, relieving stress. Um, and with the new ACFT, everyone's nervous because it's something new, it's something we're not used to. But I always tell my soldiers, you know what? You might not be good at it. I, I wasn't good at a pull-up, but you know what? I practiced um, and you set, you set goals. And uh, as a team, we'll come along. Um, I think that people are subject to um, change. And I said, hey, it's human nature to fight change. But if we work together with it and we set time goals like we have been given, you should be very successful. And change is necessary with the way things are right now. Sergeant Hester, uh, what, what do you think about um, H2F, um, and not again about the program itself properly, but this whole idea of, uh, you know, a, a well-rounded, mentally fit, physically fit soldier? Well, 
You know, I agree with the uh, with the star major. Um, physical fitness is mental fitness in, in a sense. Um, I, I try to work out every single day. I've always prided myself in, in physical fitness. Um, and I think, you know, from the beginning of my career when I was a when I was a, a private, I always as a female, I always tried to run run faster, you know, work out harder so that I could prove myself as a as as equal to my male counterparts. And for me, um, it's just always been a big part of of me as a person. Um, that with the new ACFT, I think it's a good thing. Some people doesn't don't like change, and change change is hard. Uh, it's something that everyone is is going to have to work at. And you know, in Compo two, we're definitely going to face our own challenges as far as you know conducting the new ACFT um, because of you know we drill typically you know, one week in a month, two weeks out of the year. Um, so we're definitely going to have to work at, at that outside of the normal drill weekend. So it's going to come with its challenges. But again, physical fitness is extremely important um, to be able to combat those those stressors, as the as star major mentioned, um, whether it be family, home, work, or, or whatever. So it's extremely important to me, and it, it should be to, you know, every other soldier as well. General, what do you think over the course of your career in terms of physical fitness? Has it really changed all that much? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's always been important uh, to be a soldier. Yeah, hey, so, you know, um, I, I would tell you as a, a young lieutenant coming in, I had a great, great NCO who, uh, when I was stationed in Germany, you know, we had this event on a weekend. And it was a little sunny out and got a, a sunburn. And I remember uh, coming in and saying, wow, my shoulders hurt because you know, I got, I got a little too much sun. And I remember the NCO sitting me down and saying, do you realize that, you know, you have to be ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as a soldier, you're kind of a platform and, a, and an instrument in the event that we have to defend our country. And it was during that session that I really truly under, started to understand that, you know, as a soldier, you know, we have an obligation to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and we are in the very best shape that we can be so that in a moment's notice, if our country needs us to uh, deploy and defend what we cherish so much, that we are at our best, at our very best. And so, you know, that has been the mentality that was instilled in me as a young lieutenant. And so fitness, you know, whether it's physical fitness, mental fitness, spiritual fitness, has always been a very integral part of what um, I do each and every day. It is a way to relieve stress, but on top of that, it is a way for me to have balance within, you know, one, my, my well-being and how I achieve that. But number two, it is a way that I ensure that I am prepared to do what is going to be asked of me. I agree, the ACFT changed, yes, it did change. So I grew up in the two mile run, push-ups and sit-ups. That was essentially what it was when I came in and I've been doing it for 32 years until the ACFT came along. And I gotta tell you, I was running in the woods. There was some pull-up bars. I kind of stopped, looked around, make sure nobody's looking and try to leg tuck and was flat out embarrassed. And I thought I was, you know, I could score very well on the extended scale on the regular PT. But what I figured out is I was not in the shape that I thought I was. And you know what? Although it was intimidating, 
I started just putting a program in place so that I can make sure that I was prepared to do this because what it really showed me was I couldn't do the things that if I had to do it in combat, that I probably wasn't in the, the shape that I needed to be. And you know what? I do not want anybody to have to pick up my slack. Um, and what I owe each of my teammates is the ability that they know that if I had to do something that I was able to execute it. So I think the fitness piece of this is absolutely incredible um, and so important and something that I think, you know, as our army is really starting to uh, make some changes, we're almost should be like professional athletes as we approach our, that should be our culture um, as we move forward with it. So very important to me and I'm sure it's also important to Captain Bessler. Absolutely. Captain Bessler, you know, you, here you are, you're commanding an ar artillery unit. What do you think about physical fitness? Absolutely. Uh, one of the sound bites that stuck with me my, my whole career and in the last 15 months of command has come to the forefront of my mind very frequently. PT is the only thing you do for yourself all day. It's the only thing you do for yourself all day. And that is 100% true when 18 other hours of the day I'm running around being a company level commander. Uh, but uh, it is for your own mental health, absolutely something that you have to invest in. But for the organization as a whole, like we jump into a drop zone and only half the bird gets out and I'm one of the seven people on the gun that got dropped, I'm expected to haul 100 pound rounds across the DZ and have done it. And like, I never ever want somebody else to have to pick up my slack. My section chief didn't have to haul extra rounds because I can't pick it up. Um, and that has taken an exceptional amount of effort on my part to like make sure that like 100 pounds is no joke, <laughs> especially after you've been standing up, hooked up for, for an hour uh, doing racetracks. But um, you have to be able to make sure that you can take care of the buddies next to you. And it all just ties back into trust. They need to trust you to be able to do your job. Um, and so my NCOs in this organization and I have worked really hard to, even through all of COVID, uh, keep everybody in line with those goals that Sergeant Major and um, uh, Sergeant Hessler were talking about, is make sure that you've got a plan in place to, to gain and maintain. Thank you. General, why don't you ask the next question? Yeah, so actually I, I want to pull on a couple of different threads and uh, Sergeant Hester, this is for you. You know, we've talked about work-life balance. We've talked about people, spiritual, physical, mental. So, Sergeant Hester, my question for you as a Compo 3 soldier is how, are you, how do you balance between your civilian responsibilities as a detective and your Army career? Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yes. You know, sometimes it's, it's more difficult than others. Uh, my civilian job as a detective at times can be very demanding. Um, and in, in, in the National Guard, uh, you know, just looking at the past 10 years of my career, I'm on my third deployment. So I'm very fortunate to work for a police department that is very proud of my military service. They're very proud and supportive of, of the military and of the Army. So they understand why I do what I do. They understand uh, the mission. And they're just they're just very supportive. Um, one thing that I've learned in the past several years as I've gotten older and wiser is uh, one of the most important things to me is, is, is quality of life. And 
So I transitioned from being a police officer from, from a normal beat cop uh, for 10 years, and I've been a detective for the last five. That's helped with the quality of life. But as far as uh, balancing, you just have to find that balance. Um, and like I said, having, having a, a supportive employer has, has benefited me greatly. Great, I appreciate that. And I wanted to follow up with another question. We talked a little bit about mentorship today. Uh, and so I'm sure some of us in our career have been mentored by someone. Of course, we do mentor uh, our soldiers. And General Gervais, I'm gonna direct this question to you, but certainly open up to the panel. What advice would you give to those that you mentor to help them navigate through their career while we've talked about people and other things? Could you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, I think, um, couple things on mentorship. I mean, first of all, the individual is, you know, the person is kind of responsible for understanding who they want to choose as a mentor. You know, we will always give advice, but, you know, a mentor needs to be somebody that you feel comfortable with, one, coming in and talking to on any subject that you have, throwing any idea out there to seek you know, just thoughts um, and understanding and guidance, throwing things against the wall to see if it sticks and understanding that the person that you're talking to is not going to judge you. They're not going to tell you how to do it or what to do. They're just going to offer you advice, experience, and then allow you to choose your own path. And I think that's important because sometimes in mentorship, we often seek somebody to tell us the answer. And that's really what mentorship it should not be. Um, and, you know, I my um, first mentor, you know, was just great about giving advice, talking me through things, allowing me to talk through things, um, and then allowing me to make my own choices. And the joke we have now is that, you know, he'll tell me all the time, I don't know why you asked me. You never follow my advice, <laughs> right? But, but, that, but that's okay because... A mentor is somebody that is going to just give you different ways to look at things, different perspectives, um, offer different experiences to allow you to think through uh, the situation. But mentorship is very important, and it has to be somebody that you're comfortable with um, to do it. And I think sometimes we're challenged because, you know, we're hesitant. We're hesitant as individuals to come out and reach out to somebody and ask for that mentorship it's almost kind of like awkward at some point but it is something that is just invaluable throughout your career um, moving up because you're not going to know everything you're not going to know how to approach a situation or how to really understand the situation as it's unfolding but a mentor can help you do that a mentor can also help you understand um, as i call them well as you're looking at your career and you're navigating your career path the choices that you make choices that you want to make either for personal reasons or you're going to make for professional reasons, but they're going to help you understand those choices that you're making are going to have either an impact on the career path that you're on, or it's going to impact your time horizon. That's going to have an impact. And you just have to understand that. So to me, mentorship is something that's really important. Um, and, you know, you'll find that you're going to default to probably somewhere where you're kind of comfortable, usually within your branch, usually within um, others that you kind of serve with that have a like interest. But I will also challenge you that you need to find somebody that's outside that comfort zone 
so that you're not you're getting a great perspective uh, um, from everybody as you're thinking through the mentorship. I'm sure each of the, the um, young ladies on, on the line here can tell you different perspectives on mentorship. So I'd be curious to what each one has to say. Absolutely. I saw Command Sergeant Major uh, mouthing about it being true to maybe have a mentor who doesn't necessarily have the same perspective as you. Uh, care to elaborate? Most definitely. I've had mentors that didn't start out. Um, someone that, you know, had a mentor and he's still today. He tells me, you need three types of mentor. You're going to have, you're going to need somebody that's going to be a friend. You need somebody that's going to be brutally honest and let you know, you know what? You're full of beef. You're probably not going to make that decision. This is where I need you to go. And you're going to have that person that you're going to be totally uncomfortable with. You know, that knows what your dreams and desires are and, and going to make you still be a professional, um, be with your center self, um, someone that's going to have the experience and the knowledge, and someone that's going to call you out on your... You understand? So it's going to let you know, hey, you know what, Big Sarge? Hey, you know what, Sarge Major? I understand where you're trying to go and, where you, and, and what you're trying to do, but the reality is you're not going to do A, B, and C, and I think you're going to do D, E, and F, and I probably suggest that you do F, G, and H. <laughs> so you definitely need someone that's going to give you the honest, brutal truth, and maybe somewhere in the middle with the realm. Um, I believe mentorship is extremely important, um, and um, this is definitely Women's Month. And I definitely always wanted to have a mentor that looked anything like me or another female. And now I try to get as many females. I say, hey, I might not exactly tell you. I might be a New Yorker and tell you, hey, this is what I think and this is what I see um, and work in that spectrum. Um, but I always tell um, females knowledge is experience. And um, we like to be... Um, we like sometimes to be told, okay, this is what I think you should do. Not necessarily, what do you think that you should do? And I'm like, yo, if I, if I thought about something that I wouldn't be asking you. But that's not necessarily sometimes what you want to hear. You need someone to expand your knowledge and expand, you know, certain realms that you need to grow in. Um, and a lot of times, me as a leader, I always um, say, hey, you know what? I love to read. Um, sometimes I didn't like to read certain books. So when I talk about mentorship, I let my NCOs know, hey, you know what? These are certain books that you should read because maybe the way I'm articulating it to you, the way that I'm expressing it to you, maybe because I'm this type of individual, you might not adhere to it too much. So I need you to read the following book and um, get back to me. You and I will talk about chapter one and two and we will discuss it. And then they're like, I told you to answer a problem, not for you to tell me to read a book. <laughs> But what you're basically trying to let them do is grow professionally. So uh, when it comes to mentorship, I take great pride in it. I look for it. Um, sometimes I don't look for it in the kind of answers that I want, but I want the brutal, honest truth. That's just the reality of it. But, and, and you have to be willing to accept it. Um, and if you have different, different individuals, they can help you succeed in what your ultimate goal is. Hey, Sergeant Majors. Hey, thank you for that response. Um, I want to turn it over to the two other panelists to get some similar observations, and then I would like to follow up with a question. Hey, so Captain Bessler, why don't you jump in? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, so I think it's really interesting the perspective that both uh, General Trevay and Sergeant Major had to say on that, too. Uh, great minds think alike, I think. Uh, 
most of my mentors don't look anything like me, just like you said, but I, several infantrymen, uh, a couple of sergeants major that give it to me real, just like you did, sergeant major, and, uh, you know, one or two artillerymen and a, and a sig signalier that I trust wholeheartedly, absolutely. All, all of whom I made my list yesterday as I was like thinking about questions that might be asked of like people who've influenced me. Um, and all but one of them, all but one of them is an artilleryman. So, or, excuse me, the other way around, all one of them is an artilleryman, the other, the rest are not and don't look anything like me. So I think it's really important to open yourself up to that opportunity, but also in that leadership role, be available to your subordinates and to other people that may or may not look anything like you to be a mentor. Because just like General Gervais said, like sometimes it's awkward to go up to somebody and be like, hey, by the way, I have this question and I don't really need an answer. I just need to talk it out and like figure out a COA moving forward. And so being available to that and saying like, you know what, let's go get coffee on Sunday and like, let's talk about this or let's have lunch real quick and like talk through some issues that you're having and avail yourself to those leaders or those junior troopers or whoever um, that you think might might benefit because you can see if you're struggling or you've been through something similar. So being aware of that as a leader is super critical um, and making sure that like you're not only availing yourself to people that look like you, but you're being as expansive as possible because good leadership is good leadership and everybody needs a sergeant and everybody needs a leader. So uh, making sure that you are are there for the people that might might value from your experience uh is super critical awesome hey sergeant hester real quick if you could add to that and then i want to follow up with a question if i could yeah sure sir um so again uh mentorship is super important um i believe it's it's important to have mentors on all different levels whether it's you know two steps above two steps below and as, as for me in the civilian world, uh, friends and fellow detectives, uh, as well as as, as family and, and, and my wife. Um, I, I think it's important, like Captain Bessler said, is presenting different COAs. And anytime anybody, any, of, any one of my subordinates come to me for my mentorship, I try not to give them the answer of how I would do it, but I present them instead with different courses of action of, you know, this is what you could do, and this is the potential outcome of, of that course of action. I think that's important. Great, awesome. Hey, Sergeant Major, you talked about something I thought was interesting, uh, which is reading. And I, I wish you could expand on that. How important is reading in terms of navigating your career? It's funny, because I said, hey, I like to tell people to read. This is a great book. It's called Lean In. Has anybody read it? Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah, it's a great book. It took me a while. I had to read it twice. Um, I do like to read Army Doctrine and obviously leadership, um, but I, I don't want everyone talking the same. I want to make sure that everyone has, you know, it's just like the ingredients to anything you cook. You put different things in it to make this great dish. So I always say that knowledge is power and it never stops. You know, even now with a master's degree, I'm still looking forward to continuing education and what certificates can I get? Because, you know, I want to be able to still have that continuous learning. Because once you stop learning, that's bad. That's, that's, you have to continuously learn, whether it's learning professionally or personally, you know, how to become a better person, how to, um, 
being a New Yorker, I always talk about communication because, you know, New Yorkers just like to be, you know, constantly heard. So I definitely work with, um, you got two ears and one mouth. Um, knowledge is free, pay attention more, listen more, and speak less so that you can exactly uh, receive what everyone is telling you. Um, but I definitely tell my, um, uh, my I don't like to call them my subordinates, but my teammates and let them know, hey, what are you reading lately? And they're like, what do you mean, what am I reading? I'm like, yeah, what are you reading? You know, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? Um, and then I have, sometimes I have them read um, books on what their hobby is so that they can be eye-opening. I tell them, hey, knowledge is eye-opening and it's important for you to continuously read, continuously grow so that you can be able to articulate a little better and to be able to communicate with individuals, especially um, in the recruiting realm. You can go to talk to a high schooler that you know you don't have to speak a certain way and then eventually you're gonna go talk to a professor in a college and you're gonna have to talk a bit about the benefits of the army and how the army benefits them. You're gonna go talk to a mom who doesn't speak English, you know, English is a second language. So throughout the day, I'm like, hey, I just talked to a high school or I just talked to a ASU professor. I just talked to a mom. I just talked to a high school uh, football coach. And once again, you know, there are so many roles that you play. You want to be um, professionally ready for it in every realm. And that's definitely important. So I definitely talk to them about that. So my guess uh, from the rest of the panelists, my guess from the rest of the panelists is you're all in violent agreement and you're chomping at the bit to provide some extra insight uh, to what Sergeant Major said. I'm going to uh, throw out that moderator's warning, though. Is uh, Unfortunately, I do have to look at the clock from time to time, and it is 11.45 already, and I know we've got a ton of questions coming in on, on Facebook. So feel free to expand on what Sergeant Major said, but I am going to get to a question from Facebook and at least tee this one up, and, and we can go from there. So Tammy from Facebook uh, really brought up something that we were talking about earlier. Um, and I, I think uh, it goes into the whole mentorship conversation as well. Uh, but since we have two NCOs and we have two officers, the question is, what is a good model for a healthy NCO to officer partnership? And how do the responsibilities dynamics change as those NCO officer teams move up at Echelon, i.e. platoon, company, battalion? Um, so. Uh, General Gervais, what do, you, what do you think? You talk about the, the reading and then uh, about uh, NCO and officer partnerships. Yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. I think, um, you know, always improving yourself is something that you should do each and every day. Um, because, you know, if you, if, if you think you know it all or you think, um, as I would say in Maria Gervais' terms, if you think you've arrived, then I probably think it's and you have no more learning to do then I think it's probably time to hang up the uniform because each and every day you should be listening. You know, it's just not to superiors. You should be listening to, you know, subordinates and everybody around you because there is always something that you can be learning. I would recommend um, the book that always comes to my mind is Road to Character because Road to Character, you know, we, as you know, we are a fabric of society in our army. We all grow up in in you know from different experiences we come into this army with different values and then we assimilate to the army values and road to character is something to me that as i read it and understand it you have to improve your character each and every day 
And so what is it that you're doing during that day that, you know, and every night I go home, I ask myself, what is it that I did today that I'm not especially proud of? You know, was somebody talking to me, but my mind was somewhere else because of the op tempo? And was my feet pointed in a different direction because they wanted to stop and talk to me, but I was in a hurry because my mind was somewhere else? When the most important thing I probably should have been doing is paying attention. So each and every night I go, I go home and I ask myself, what is it that I did that I wasn't proud of and what, how am I going to fix it? And it's something that I work on every single, every single night. Now, getting back to the question that was asked by, um, on Facebook live. So I think the relationship NCO to officer, um, you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic because you have the officer that comes in with a certain level of experience, but as they're paired with their NCO, their NCO at that point in time has more years in the Army, more experience at that point in time. But then that starts to kind of flip-flop as you go up in, in rank. And I, you know, I think the healthy relationship there is there is that I've always strove, it's always been a partnership. My relationship with my NCO has been we're a team. It is a partnership and we learn and grow from each other as we go forward. Because see, you know, we both want to mentor each other. We both want to share our experience and we want to have that uh, solidified front going forward because that's what's in the best interest of our soldiers. So I think the, the model um, as you're going forward, you know, it, it's different in as the situations and the echelons that you're serving. But I think the underlying principle of that partnership, that team, is something that is the foundational layer that you always strive for. Um, in the beginning, the experience on the officer side is less, so the reliance on the NCO is, is, much, is much greater to help guide, shape, and also to develop the officer. And then as you start to go up in rank, it, you know, it's less and less. And then soon, the, you know, the um, officer, you're at a, almost a, um, an even playing field. But the experiences and the understanding and the knowledge to be gained from each side um, is, is different. And I think that's the beauty of it right there. Because now you're taking the strength of each other and you're shoring up those weaknesses and you're becoming a fortified team going through it. So I'd be curious, um, you know, we have two great NCOs and and a, a battery commander here that's working her way through it. So I'm sure they have a different perspective on it or similar. Be interested to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Sergeant Absolutely. Hester, I, I, I'd really love to hear what your perspective is on this uh, as you're living it today. Sure. I believe the uh, relationship between both officers, especially for me as, as a platoon sergeant, my platoon leader, um, I am one of their first mentors as, as a young officer. Um, young officers lean on, on their NCOs because the NCOs are the ones that have that battle-hardened intuition. We have that in experience. And whereas more, most likely, more likely than not, the officers do not. Whether they they have the strategic uh, leadership, you know they've been been taught in, in all their schooling the strategic part aspect of it, and they lean on us for that that intuition. And so it's an important partnership that you have to build. And the further up the ranks that you go, whether it's first sergeant and, and commander to you know sergeant major and battalion commander, it's the same. That NCO is there to to 
give that intuition and 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 give advice and then you know assist with uh like i said earlier the the different different coas so it's an extremely important relationship and i think it's always growing and and important to build that that teamwork at all levels and captain bessler i uh, you know as a, a company commander um what's your relationship with the the ncos what, what was it when you we're a lieutenant, and now as you gain in experience, what is it today? Well, like I've said before, I've been very blessed. I've had exceptional NCO partners and teammates throughout uh, the last seven years. My very first 14 sergeant, our first class, Jeffrey Cingolini, still texts me on my birthday every year. He's the man. So, like, we, I've found that, like, as a, as a lieutenant, um, especially in the artillery where we're very technical uh, and there's a lot of a lot of responsibility no matter where you are in the in the military as a leader but specifically within my job sect um, one male left or right can be the difference between killing the bad guy and killing the good guy so there's a lot of responsibility in that and and you have to lean on your NCOs from day one uh, and just like Sergeant Hester said they have all of the experience they've been around they've seen way more than you've seen on day one as second lieutenant emily bessler and so just be an open book and in receive mode ready to learn everything that they have and at the same time those ncos need to be prepared to mentor those lieutenants uh, and i've been very lucky in that respect um, as you move forward uh i 15 months into command feel like most days most days I know like 80% of what I'm doing. Maybe, maybe 80% on a good day. But my first and I have a have a joke that like we're not both allowed to have a bad day on the same day. We can both have a bad day, but not on the same day. So it's a it's a teamwork thing because you you absolutely need another person. Nobody is a one man army. That's why we're such a huge fighting force. We need somebody to lean on to go into the office and just like say, Are you freaking kidding me? this is a mess or whatever and how do we figure it out and i will never make a decision never have without asking for the opinion of my NCO because they absolutely know the ground and too often i think the troopers perspective like they know what's going on they're the ones doing it and the ncos are the closest to that and i i need that feedback before i make any decision so Anything critical, risk or otherwise, like I will always ask for my answer's opinion and I would recommend that to anybody as well. Awesome, Captain Vesser. Uh, Sergeant Major, we will let you go ahead and uh, close the book on this uh, conversation. And we also have a special guest uh, who appears to be joining us uh, uh, now. General Funk, how are you, sir? Hey, sir. Um, just to answer the question really quick, um, I definitely think that um, there can't be no light between NCOs and officers. Um, you know, I normally sit down and say, hey, sir, let me see. This is the mission. Let me see your vision. And um, where are we going from here? I definitely believe that relationships break down walls, especially with currently with the way we have so many soldiers with different diversities and different things that they're the soldiers need to not see light between the NCO Corps and the officers. That is extremely important because they'll play that they'll play that mom and pop role at every level. So we definitely <laughs> we definitely need to ensure that there's no light between and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. Um, as long as there's, there's respect, trust, and laughter, 
I do believe in that. Um, we can overcome anything that has to do with the diversity of officers and NCO, but I definitely let my NCOs know what the, the commander's vision and vision is so that we can be on both same sheet of music and there's no light between us. You know, there's just a, a few minutes left, um, but we can probably go a little little past. I, I see uh, the general is trying to get his AV going here. Um, so it might not continue on the divots, but we'll still live stream on Facebook until, until we're all wrapped up. Um, but let's talk about Army values uh, real fast. Uh, what, what do the Army values mean to you? And kind of on part and parcel more tactical, what are like the skills and abilities that you think um, the next generation ought to be bringing in to uh, uh, to the army, and let's go with uh, uh, Captain Bessler. You can you can uh, try this one out. Um, that's a big question for the answer. <laughs> uh, so I think the army values—they're the bedrock of everything that we do, and the and the thing that I preach and my first heart does to my organization is that you have to treat people with dignity and respect. Regardless of where you come from, you treat them with dignity and respect and have the personal courage to make the correction. If someone was raised differently and doesn't understand that what they said is offensive to you, have the personal courage to say, hey, that's not okay and we need to correct that. So the, the Army values are, like I said, the, the bedrock of what we have and how we execute our day-to-day -day life and, and accomplish our mission. Without those fundamentals, we can't build that trust, and that keeps being the, the sounding board yeah, that we come back to. Thanks. So um, I think I, the the openness to learn. Uh, And to, to be, um, that's the thing that binds us all together. Sergeant Hester, uh, your thoughts on the Army values and maybe some of those knowledge and skills uh, that we'd like to see developed in today's Army? Um, right, so our Army values ideal and they represent the moral high ground that we should all live up to. Living up to the Army values is is living them every single day, whether we're on duty or not. And if we live up our values, we'll automatically treat others as, as we would want to be treated. So I, I'll agree with uh, Captain Bessler. For those entering the, the service in the Army, they need to be a sponge. They need to be uh, willing to learn, willing to listen. And uh, I think we all know that the younger soldiers coming in are, are a different have sometimes have a different mindset they were they were brought up differently than some of us that's been in the military for 10 15 20 or, or, or 30 years um, so but they when they join they need to have the understanding that they need to be that sponge and open-minded and just be able be willing to to learn and, and listen to their seniors absolutely uh, sergeant major um, you're out there recruiting them uh, and training them and have trained them for years. Uh, what, what do you think regarding what skills and abilities and, and how should they be living up to the Army values? 
I could hold, have a whole conversation on this, okay, guys? We need to understand that um, our Army values, our generation is a little different than Generation Z, which what we're trying to put in the Army now. Um, this generation believes in Army values a little different, okay? So it's definitely important to know what uh, type of soldier you're going to be getting, you know, um, you know, that individual that just graduated from basic training um, that has heard the Army values doesn't necessarily believe in them in the same aspect that you believe in, or that drill sergeant of 1974, that drill sergeant that was born in 2000. So you definitely need to know your audience and what motivates them to being part of a team, because that's definitely important. Uh, when it comes to um, recruiting, um, we definitely want highly motivated individuals. We want individuals to understand that there's 150 different positions and jobs available for them all across and definitely positions that they can accommodate multiple of the interesting goals. But you also have to know that Gen Z, their goals might not necessarily be um, uh, where they see themselves in 20 years. They're looking for self-admiration right now right now in five days from now, right now in 30 days from now, not necessarily, I don't want you to tell me about 10 years from now, I don't want you to tell me five years from now, I'm thinking about this year, I'm thinking about six months. So um, part of knowledge and reading is understanding that the soldiers that you're getting now are completely different than the soldiers that you got years ago and try to understand those soldiers. Yes, they will res respect your rank and position, but why? And you gotta motivate them that way not necessarily they're going to follow you Absolutely. so I, a lot of it yes ma'am that a lot of it is getting to know your soldiers and what generation z is uh because even i too had a hard time to understanding some of that and understanding why someone didn't have the will and the drive to be successful in what i thought was success because they're completely different they'll never go inside of a bank they get on their phone and and apply to a, a bank they'll never walk into chase or city bank and never do that they'll you know yep. they they just believe in certain things that we do not and are different and we just have to accept it absolutely. and grow with it to learn them absolutely so i hope everybody can hang with me for about another 10 minutes or, or maybe less I, I i respect everybody's time uh but there we we really uh have uh have a couple things that we need to cover so general gervais just really quickly to wrap up the army values conversation and then we'll move on yeah, so I think um, the Army values are what are, I would call the non-negotiables. It is the Army, it is our culture, and it is what we need to strive um, to make sure that we maintain each and every day moving forward. And yes, as we bring in our new new soldiers, um, you know, that are motivated in different ways with a different understanding, because look, our, our world is changing each and every day. But what can't change is our moral compass and what we stand for um, and those values. And so, you know, ensuring that, you know, we lead by example and we show what right looks like. And then we ensure that if somebody's not living by the army values, it, you know, and is not living by, you know, the, the, the three C's and we're not compromising the three C's, you know, the character, competence, commitment, and you know, and we're taking action. I think one of the most important things that we have to do within the army is preserve our army values, our culture, because it all comes down to that trust we've been talking through throughout this entire series. And so it's just a moral compass that we should never um, negotiate away, and we must strive to make sure we maintain it 
you know, now and into the future. And I think, you know, some of the things that are happening in our army is challenging that right now. And it's up to us. It is our army. It is our army. You know, my father used to always say to me, this would not happen in my army. And he said that to me several times. And his real message to me was, if you, we're a profession. We're a profession and we have to take responsibility and we must police ourselves. And the way that's gonna happen is through our, us individual actions taking ownership uh, of it. And so to me, the army values are the non-negotiables. So I'm gonna shut up because I know we're waiting on General Funk. So yeah. sir, I'm gonna yeah. shut up now. General Funk, uh, let's do an audio check. Are you with us? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir, yes, you're sir. on. Loud and clear. What an incredibly powerful and insightful panel. I, I am so immensely proud to be associated with this group. I can't imagine. I just can't tell you how proud I am of you. And the the to wrap it up on the Army values and to talk about what it means to serve, and to talk about what what this how the Army has changed, how we have to take care of one another, interact, and do the things. And and frankly, it's uh, it's good to know that at least one Sergeant Major out there is listening to me because she held up the book I recommended last last month. So that's that's good. And uh, Sergeant Hester, it's great to see you and what you're doing out in the in the uh, Compo 3 world, but more importantly, how well you've represented our Army for as many years as you have. And Cap Bessler, you should have just an incredible sense of ta uh, purpose and direction because you're doing great. I would correct one thing you said. You can't ever have a bad day. <laughs> you never can. You are in charge of America's most precious treasure it's sons and daughters, and you can't have a bad day. You're going to have some days you hate and some tough days, but you can't have a bad day because every day you get to renew your faith in this great nation of ours and what it means. So I uh, I, I can't, and and to know that uh, General Gervais is coming in to replace General Martin and uh, what, what kind of a purpose and direction she's going to set and compass she's going to set with courage, commitment, candor, Competence, those four C's, uh, candor being the fourth, I think will help us uh, take TRADOC uh, to heights it's never seen before. Dan, uh, great job. Jim, as always, uh, well well done. I'm uh, so proud of you. I, I really, uh, I mean, uh, it says U.S. Army over my heart for a reason, and you, you amplify that every day. So thanks for what you've done. It does matter. It really matters. So back to you, Jim, you and Dan, who uh, who did a pretty good job. We could say, yeah, you did good, Dan. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll we make were, a note of that, sir. Thanks. We really appreciate you coming on, sir. Thank you very much for, for helping us wrap up this conversation. And uh, General Gervais and I were having a conversation earlier that she, she is getting her Twitter call. Uh, all set. Uh, she's going to the Twitter range to develop that. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to having her in our squad, that's for sure. That's exactly right. Welcome to the squad. Several members have been there already. Awesome. So uh, let, let, let's. Sergeant Major Garcia motivates me every day with something she sends me. So it's, I am always uh, always uh, thrilled with that. Thanks again, sir. <clears throat> That's right. Don't freak out. Work out. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. 
Well, what, what a great end. So let, let's, uh, let, let's get some personal reflections now as, as we wrap this up. Um, I know there's so much that we were not able to cover today. It's not even funny. There, there are things like the tip. The list goes on. Tim. Absolutely. It's a huge list. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Hester, why don't you give us some uh, quick reflections regarding this panel and maybe some things you'd like the audience to, to take away? Yeah, you know, um, I think we've covered some great topics, and, and I agree. Um, there's several questions that are, that are left out there um, that, that I, I wanted to, to cover, and I'm sure um, the other members of the panel would agree. Um, but I'm, like I said, from beginning to end, I'm super excited. I'm honored to be a part of this panel. I think we covered some great topics um, as far as mentorship, leadership the the question from the audience as far as the the nco and officer relationship i mean we can go on for that from from days with you know a hundred years almost a hundred years of experience in, in in the room combining everyone so um great topics and and uh um it's been a great conversation i appreciate you having me thank you very much sergeant hester captain bessler what do you think i'm just so honored to be a part of this panel sir thank you so much for having me it's been an excellent conversation. And just like Sergeant Hester said, I've got like a list of other things that sound bites and, and insight that A, I would have loved to have heard from the other three panel members, but also wanted to share. So just have those conversations with your squads, with your teammates, with your NCOs, and go get coffee and and, and take your platoon starting out to lunch and, and just say like, hey, where are we at? And have that conversation because that matters uh, and that builds trust uh, in the long run. And that's kind of the bedrock of what we were kept coming back to, and I think that's really important. Awesome, thanks Captain Bessler. Uh, Sergeant Major, what, what are your takeaways? Um, I'm completely honored to be a part of this panel. Remember that the Army is a profession that does not have a ceiling. Anything is possible. Um, be the change that you want to see, um, and every day is a new day. Don't stay on yesterday if it was a bad day, because <laughs> definitely today is a new day, um, and just be that change. I, I all that I ask every day when I see my soldiers and when I see them say, hey, what changes are you making today? So um, once again, I'm completely honored to be a part of this panel. Um, let this not be the last one. And um, let's make things happen, Hua. Hua. Thanks, Sergeant Major. And General Gervais, uh, you, you're, uh, you'll get the last word from the panel. Yeah, hey, thanks. I, I thought it was awesome, um, first of all. Um, and thanks for allowing me to participate. I mean, very distinguished uh, panel members and great questions. You know, I was very uh, curious on the questions from the audience because, you know, I really would like to have been able to address what it was that they were very interested in. And I haven't seen what's on Facebook, but I will take a look. I think it's important that we we come to realize and we never forget, and it's too easy to forget. I mean, we are role models and we probably take that a little bit for granted, but there are so many, you know, in the force that look at us and what we're doing and what we've had the opportunity to do. You know, we just see it as we're doing our job, right? We're doing the mission and we're doing our job, but we are no kidding role models. And there are those that are looking at us and seeing the opportunities that one that we've had, um, that now that they have the opportunity and that they're gonna wanna strive for. And I think sometimes in the Army, we lose sight of just how great the opportunities are. 
I mean, you didn't ask the question to me on what it was like in 1980 when I came in, and thank God I didn't because everybody know how old I was, right? <laughs> but it's interesting to see just how far the Army has come since the time I've come in to, to now. I mean, my daughter just deployed, and her battle buddy is an infantry female officer. When, when Cadet Gervais, at the time, my maiden name, was sitting in those bleachers, I would have never been able to think that I would have had that opportunity. And so I think the opportunities are important. I think it's also important, um, thinking back on this, we never should forget that we're a soldier first. And, you know, and that's really what it's all about. And, um, you know, when we are in the leadership business, and so the leadership, we get to practice this each and every single day in the Army. And, and through those opportunities and through what we get to do, I mean, it's just it's just an awesome um, experience. And so, I, you know, I think these panels are excellent. So I would say continue. I, my only feedback would be, how do we get to more what the audience is asking us and what they want to hear about? I thought what we talked about was great hands down, but I'm curious now, what would they have wanted to know from us? Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am, it sure does. Yes, and sure uh, does. we will definitely be exploring those questions and trying to answer as many of them as we can, that's for sure. Is the plan going to be that they're going to be sent out um, to us so we can take a look at them and answer them? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we can talk offline and, and figure out what we want to do with it. I just appreciate your willingness to, uh, to participate uh, as we continue. So that, that's good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. General Christian? Yes. Hey, great panel today, great conversations. Wish we had time to get to everything on Facebook. And, uh, ma'am, I do commit to you that we'll figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, so I'm really left with a couple of different thoughts. And one that resonates for me, which is have a conversation and go get a cup of coffee. We talked a lot about our people, and really the larger takeaway for me was to invest time into your people. You know, when you're caught walking down the hall and you're headed in a direction, because we all have things we need to do, it's worth taking a time out, as my mom used to tell me, right? And just listen to what someone has to say. Pay attention. So I think that's all great advice. Panel, I thank you so much for your time. I know we're in multiple time zones. You're all awesome leaders. And I uh, can't wait to follow up with some of the Facebook conversations, get further insights from all of you. So again, thank you so much. Thanks, John Christian. Again, panelists, thank you so much. Uh, you know, talking as a father, um, at this point, uh, I, my daughter is an ensign in the United States Navy. Um, her mentor is probably a lot her mother, uh, who uh, finished her Navy career as a petty officer second class. Um, and and I, was, uh, I had a full 20-year career, which went from enlisted uh, to retire as an officer. But having people like you who she can look up to, uh, who have been there, done that, and can provide the advice to her, um, I, I just, as, as a dad, uh, I cannot thank you enough for being here and the service uh, that you provide. And ma'am, absolutely, as the Chief of Command Information, I love these questions that come in from Facebook. We are, we are going get, to get these uh, videos produced. We're going to get the questions answered. Uh, so you have my commitment on, on that as well. So again, panelists, thanks again. It's been fantastic. As always, the hour flies by. Now we're an hour and 15 uh, into the conversation. I know it can be going much longer, but join us on the 21st of April at 1100 Eastern as we hear from Obi West to have an important conversation and presentation about sexual harassment and assault. Until then, thanks for watching. Keep the conversation going.
build your cohesive team. Watch the replay or listen to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And again, thank you, and victory starts here.